Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. We're learning Maseches Yivamos, Dav Kuf Yud Beis. We have 10 blot left, and we have to plan for a seum. Yes, are we doing a whole animal of some kind? Just let me know. You don't have to answer now, but we're going to, we'll do something fun. Okay, we're at the very top of Kuf Yud Beis and and we're in the middle of a sugya, and we were talking about a case scenario on the previous page where um, where we had said that if uh, a husband was unavailable to his spouse, to his yuvama, then we force him to do chalitza. So on the top of Kuf Yud Beis Amidat, the Gemara says, before we get to the point of forcing him to do chalitza, why don't we say that he should do yibu? Tell him to be with his wife. Tell him to be with the Yavama. Why are we, why are we ending this, uh, this Yibu marriage? So says the Gemara, the reason why is because there was a get involved. He's not allowed to marry her. They already have a halachic divorce. She already got a get. They already had Bia and they already had a get. And therefore, they, there is no room for Chalitza. Says the Gemara, that's not so simple that this is a case where there was a get. Why? Because Mesve, there's a Gemara. The Brisa writes, If within the first 30 days that a, a Yavama is with her Yavam and she claims that there was no Tash Meshamita, so even if he argues, no matter what he says, no matter what, marriage is over, no, no room for, any, uh, any, for anything else, they do Chalitza. Now, if it were to be after 30 days, so if it was 35 days, and then she makes her claim that, that, that her husband did not uh, provide her with intimacy, then in that case, then we request of him to do Chalitza, but we don't force it. Uh, he omeres nivalti. If she says that there was tashmish, who omer lo nivalti? He says there was not. beget. In that case, needs a get. And then this last case is the case that we need. Who omer baalti? He says that there was tashmish amita, but he omeres lo nivalti, and she says there was not. Even if he goes back and changes his mind, and he says, really, you're right, there was no tashmish amita. get They need both get and chalitza. So if we see in the seifa that we need get bechalitza, it implies. That uh, that there was no get given in the ratio because we needed it in the seifa, so it must be that there was nothing in the ratio. So how can you say in the ratio that it's a case of get? That was how we answered up the, the case as to why it is that we force him to do chalitza. Why don't we do ibum? Because there was a get. So the Bryce implies that that's not true. That there was no get in the ratio. So why do you need both? Well, you need both both because a get ends a halachic. We'll see in a moment, but the get ends a halachic marriage, and chalitza ends a zika. They're, they have different. Right, if they're already married, then you need a get. And if they're not already married, then you still need chalitza. If they're right, yeah. What's the question? So why can't it be one? Why isn't it one or the other? There are different halachic tethers. One is because you're halachically married, and the other is because of zika. They're not the same thing. You'll see in a moment when let, let's just read the next two answers and then we'll see. So how does the Gemara respond to this quandary? We need both. We need chalitza, and we all also need a get. And take a look at Rashi to answer your question. Tzricha, get fourth line down in Rashi, libi aso, because they had tashma shemita, mishum da'amar ba'alti. And then in the next Rashi, v'chalitza mishum da'avya shavisa l'nafsha chaticha de'isura. This is a concept, shavya nafsha v'chaticha de'isura is a concept we find by kashras. Uh, that there's a piece of meat, that we have a halachic status of Israel, and here it's being applied by a person by saying that lo nivalti, that we, our relationship is basically over. She made herself a chaticha de isura as, uh, with a zika, and that requires chalitza to remove it. And Ravashi says the two gitten are very different. Ravashi says, Omar, Hasam get lezikaso, hacha get lebiaso. And this was the distinction text that I was making to you earlier, that there's the gitten have different impacts. There's a get, which is called chalitza, as it relates to the zika, and then there's a get, which is for bia, which is for regular marriage. 
And the Gemara tells a story about this. There were two uh, people, husband and wife, Yavam and Yavama, who agreed that in fact it was the case that they had not been together. And they went to go talk to Rava. He says to the man, just give her a chalitza and let her go out to the market. Fine. He says, hold on one second. We just learned a few lines ago that there needs to be a get v'chalitza. Itanya, Tanya, you're right. If in fact there's a brisa that says you don't only need chalitza, but you also need a get, so then yeah, you're right. You talk and need both. It's amazing to watch these moments in history where by us we're like, yeah, I need to get a chalitza. The rabbi's like, I only think chalitza. And someone's like, wait, there, you missed a brisa. Like this kind of like the the growing of our brisa pool, which is a it's a very cool thing to see. And that's what the gemara says over here is that rabbi just found out about this brisa, and therefore he he agreed that in a case where the husband and wife, the yavam and the yavama, had not been together, that in fact they need to have a get and chalitza. Halfway down on Kufyid Beis Medal, Ba'amine Hon Bereidur of Nachman Midur of Nachman. He named his son Hon, Rav Nachman named his son Hon, and his son had a question. So Ras Amahu, what about uh, the wife, the co-wife in this particular case? So the wife is, the, the Yavama is married, and she's the one who hasn't had Tashmish with her husband. What about her tzara? The Gemara says, uh, it's enough. We don't have to make the tzara's life any more complicated. By virtue of the fact that we're talking about being kofa the Baal to do chalitza, and or mivakshin, whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, we're not going to be extra strict on the on the tzara. Okay. What about the case of Hano Deris Hano? We spoke about this already. The case of a woman who's Noderas Hano from her from her Yavam um, and or her husband. We'll see a little bit more what was going on there. Let's learn a fascinating brisa. It's actually a Mishnah. It's not Hasam. The Mishnah writes, this is a Mishnah in Maseches Nadarm. The Rishona initially, we'll soon see in the Bryce that it was changed, but initially, that three women can leave their marriage and they still collect a woman who says to her husband, I um, have become Tame. Rashi highlights over here that we're talking about a case of an Ashes Kohen who says that she was violated, that she was raped. And of course, in one of the most complex, not complex in intellect, but uh, bitter pill to swallow, is that if in fact an Ashes Kohen is violated, then the marriage is over. So if she says to her husband, then she's Yotzes for Nubinodlas Ksuba. She has to get divorced, but she also does collect her Ksuba. Next case, only the heaven knows what's going on between me and you. Uh, in other words, this is code word for the husband is not fulfilling his mitzvah of Ona. He's not available to her for Tashma Shemitah. She too is Yotzos Venotlos Ksuba. She gets to leave her marriage and collects the Ksuba. And Netula Ani mean Hayyehudim. And uh, this woman, Netula Ani, means I'm removing myself from the Jews. Rashi here highlights that we're talking about a case where the Tashma Shemitah was so incredibly painful for her that she kind of made a lush and shvua that she never wants to be with another Jew. Very strong language. And in all three of these cases, they're Yosos Venoblos Ksuba. However, the Chachamim were concerned about these three cases. These three cases are so easy for a person to claim to get her out of the marriage and she gets the Ksuba. It was almost like a get out of jail free card. And it was... It was so easy. The Chachamim were concerned that if a woman was uh, was attracted to another man and wanted to end her marriage, no problem, I was violated. So easy to get out of the marriage. No problem, you don't sleep with me anyways. No problem, whatever the three cases are. So therefore, the Chachamim had to add in some checks and balances. What were the checks and balances? Two-thirds of the way down. Chazru Lomar, here's what they changed. Uh, the next line, excuse me, Ella, how Ameris Tmea Anilach, if a if a woman says to her husband who's a coin that I'm Tmea, in other words, that she was violated, Tavi Rai she has to bring a raya that she was violated. 
not the best thing to say to a rape victim. But it is in fact the requirement in halacha, the standard at which she would be allowed to be yotos with her ksuba is only if she can prove that there was a violation. Otherwise, we're afraid that there's a harama that she's trying to pull the wool over his eyes. What about the case where she said only the heavens can testify what's happening at home between me and you, where he was not available to her. So then the Rav should try and intervene. Then he should uh, tell the husband, can you please be available to your spouse, like be, be a reasonable husband, just to be available to your spouse. That's what the Gemara says that uh, is our intervention over here, but it's not an immediate yotos with her ksuba. And uh, lastly, if a woman says, that if a woman uh, excuses herself from all Jewish men, this husband can undo his portion of that, of her shua, and they can still be together. Now, on that third case, the Gemara is now going to bring, uh, bring us back to Yibum, which is what we were talking about before. In the case of when a woman says, I need to remove myself from all Yehudim, remember what Rashi had said earlier, that we're talking about a case where the Tash Mishamita was very uncomfortable for her. That she said that, um, that she never wants to be with another Jewish man. So, this woman is married to Ruvain. Rachel is married to Ruvain. And she, the Tash is so painful. She says out loud, I never want to sleep with another Jew again. So was she being sweeping and including a Yavam, which is someone who never really would have been on her mind. You don't, in a healthy marriage, you don't like pine for your brother-in-law while you're still married to Ruvain. You don't pine for Shimon. That's not normal. So the Gemara is saying, do we assume that when she said, that I want to be removed from all Jewish men, what was the status of the Yavam as it relates to that Shavuah? Do we assume that he was included in the limitation? Or do we assume that because he's an unreasonable candidate, he is excluded? What's our halachic assumption? Do we assume that she's under the assumption that her husband would die and she'd fall to Yavam to this Yavam without children or not? Great question. That's uh, again, like what are the standing assumptions? What's the mindset? Which direction? I don't even know which way. Well, because the Yavam is still a Yehudi, regardless. But obviously, you, you you don't have to say, for example, her father. She doesn't have to include her father in the list. As Why? Long as she doesn't have children. She always knows that's hanging over it. The uh, Yibum status? It's not like it obsesses you, but... Yibum, you're talking about? Yibum is always hanging over, I suppose, on some level. But the point is that uh, let's talk about the, the, the polar opposites. You have a father on the one side, her right. father, off limits. She's, uh, not, she's not thinking about her father. Uh, well, Moab, it's, it's, not, it's not the way things work. It's not the way things work. So, and then there's the obvious, which is her husband, who she's available to, and she's making a shua from him. But what about the gray area in the middle, which is Yibum? It's a very, very unlikely scenario. It's unlikely in general. <laughs> it's just, you know, in this case, she's uncomfortable, and she's going to say, I'm going to usher myself to everyone, including the unlikely statistic chance that I'll marry my brother-in-law. Her father's also a Yehudi, but for sure her father's not part of the shvuah. Of course, but I don't think they're comparable cases. They're not perfectly comparable, but that's what the Gemara is torn with. Are we saying that the, the Yavam is similar to a father who is totally off limits, or is the Yavam similar to the husband? Because like you're saying, it's a theoretical possibility, and he's a regular Jew who's in theory available, assuming that the husband dies and they have no kids. 
you're right. You're 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 standing right on the nerve. Like, what is the Gemara bothering? And this is actually Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. Ravam or Yavam, Rav Rav says that a Yavam is not like the husband. The husband was obviously was obviously meant to be the person and people like him to be excluded from Tashmash Amita. She was now forbidden from her husband to sleep with him again. But Rav says the Yavam is not like the husband. The husband is in the you know, available category, and the Yavam's in the unavailable category. And because of that, he mu- she must not have in mind about the Yavam. When she says, the Yavam is not going to be, uh, it's not going to be the same as the Baal. Shmuel argues, Shmuel Amar, uh, very similar to you, text, Yavam Hareu Kibal. They're the same. They're the same. He is an available male. He's not available right now, only if Shruvain dies, and only if and only if whatever the perfect storm is. But still, uh, Shmuel holds that she's Yavam. Says the Gemara, that can't be that Shmuel's right. It has to be that Rab is right, that a Yavam is not the same as a Baal. Why? It's not, because we have a Mishnah. End of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that if a woman makes a neder uh, about Hana, that she will not get any Hana from her Yavam, Shimon, while Ruvain is still alive, under those circumstances, we say kofen. But had it been the case that a yavam and the husband were the same, then it should have said, that when she said, that in fact a husband and a, a, a yavam are the same, if that's true, then it wouldn't have said kofen, it would have said, and we saw this as a precedent yesterday. So therefore, Rav must be right. Says, wait one second. What was the case we're dealing with? We're talking about a case scenario. She has kids. Shimon would never be on her mind. She would never be thinking about that. Says the Gemara, if that's true, then we have a diuk problem. Had it been that she didn't have children, then mevakshin. Then the language of the b'risa should have been mevakshin. But if that's true, then if in fact that was her intention, then even in the, li- the lifetime of her fa- of her husband, when Ruvain was still alive, it should have said that we asked. And if that's true, then that's what it should have said explicitly in the Brisa. The Brisa should have said, when would this be true? If she didn't have children, then the language of the Brisa should have been mevakshin, but it's not. No, we see that it's like Rav, it doesn't matter if she has children. We therefore paskin that a Yavam is in fact not like the Baal. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm with you. I, that was my instinct. But what Rav was saying in the end is that when she makes her sweeping comment that uh, that means that a Yavam is not included. And it kind of paints this picture of what are the statistical likelihoods. And we have these thresholds in halacha called miyut matsui and miyut she'eno matsui. You know, is it halachically usher, just as an example, to not wear a seatbelt? Because you're not allowed to do things that are dangerous. So is this dangerous? What are the statistical possibilities? And some of the poskim actually put percentages on miyut she'eno matsui. Yes, it's very unlikely that a seatbelt will save your life, Statistically speaking, it's very unlikely that it will help you one way or the other. Baruch Hashem, most people don't get in car accidents. And Baruch Hashem, if someone, God forbid, does, it's usually not that bad. And what, one in a million? That a seatbelt literally, one in, I don't know, one in 100,000, one in 500,000? 
So is that called? A, so that's where the post can come in. They say, what is a miyacheinu matsui? Uh, this child comes up in regards to bugs all the time. Are you allowed to eat sunflower seeds without checking every single sunflower? It depends. What, what percentage of them actually have bugs in them? In order to answer that question, you need to open X number of them and check and see how many bugs there are. That's how we check for bugs. So, okay, so these are all shilas in regards to, to minorities. And over here, we're seeing that Rav was so not concerned about a Yavam that even if a woman were to say in the Tula Mina, Mina Yehudim, that a Yavam would not be precluded from that particular, from that particular relationship. Why is it a Yehudim and not Who else can she sleep with? She can't sleep with a guy. But the Russian strength to use the word Yehudim. Right? Because then it says, like, okay, so you know what? I don't want a Jewish man. I'm going to find another one. That, that's, I mean, you could see a Havamina that way. Rashi says, four lines before the wide lines, uh, what she was doing was basically, as Rashi says, forbidding herself to all men in the world. Already asr to all the goyim. When we do asr nafsha, kule alma, shmamino tashmish kashala ve'anusi lefichach notelis ksubasa. She was she saying was, a language. Mm -hmm. She was closing up the very last door. So Correct. I mean, I didn't think about it, but yeah, it's still it's still strange. It's still strange. What does Tosfo say? No, different discussion. I think it's a different discussion because he starts out quoting Rashi, but a different Rashi. So um, you may recall over the last many days, we saw a lot of brises. What about a cheresh and a, and a katana? What about a shote? So all of those very small mishnas and brises that we had learned over the last couple of days, every last one of them is collected here in this extremely long mishnah. And that's where we're going to uh, start this new. Oh, hadran alach beishamay. Baruch Hashem, we finished another parak. We finished parak beishamay. We're starting cheresh shenasa, the, uh, the 14th parak of this masechta. Not the last parak, is it? No, 15, 16. There are 16 prakam. We're almost there. We're almost there. All right, so we're going to learn a lot of different cases. This is one of those, um, one of those Gemaras, one of those Mishnayas that really needs to be read 15 times just to kind of get all the categories. We're not going to do that. We are going to read through the Mishnah and explain every case. Um, but let's just have a recognition that some of these cases are quite similar to one another. It has an Erevin feel to it in a way. Uh, and uh, so does the rest of the Masechta, frankly. So, what? That's a long Mishnah. It's a very long Mishnah. Starts at the parak and goes till six lines from the bottom of the page. It's very big. And it's a double a double wide. It's a very uh, long section of Mishnah. Okay, let's go. If you have a, a cheresh, a man who is a deaf mute, who marries a normal woman, and a normal man who marries a female deaf mute, he can divorce. He can stay in the marriage in both cases. Just like one can enter a marriage by whatever signaling system they have as a cherish, so too they can get out of this. A fascinating chuba with Ramosha Feinstein that came up about a woman, about a man who was in a coma um, and, uh, and he wanted to give his wife a divorce, but he was in a coma. So they started asking him questions. And when the answer was yes, he was able to control his body to the point that the monitors would start, would start you know, changing his brain activity, whatever it was. He couldn't talk, couldn't move his body, but he was able somehow to control his brain. So when they said, do you want to divorce your wife? The machine, like all the bells and started going like crazy. So they brought her Moshe Feinstein. And he, so as the story goes, he walked into the, into the hospital room and they asked a bunch of questions. And he paskin based on that, the Biramiza, just like this Mishnah, that this man was able to issue a get with 
while being completely unconscious, physically trapped in a coma, he was able to give his wife a divorce to save her from being an aguna, because he could have been in a coma for years. So this is what Remiza means. Again, not specifically this, but this is one of the marimakomos that would lead to Rav Moshe's Pesach. Let's say that a regular man married a regular woman, and then unfortunately uh, she became nischarsha, she became a deaf mute. He can stay with her, and he can also divorce her. However, if she goes to the level of insanity, which is different than, I mean, a cherish is not, not insane. Cherish is, uh, they have a lot of their mental faculties to them. They have communication struggles, but they're not insane. But nishtate is lo yoti, that's because she has no dust. She has nothing. She has, that's a shota. Nishareish hu, o nishtate. If he, the husband, became a cherish and or became insane, eno motzia olam is she's stuck. She's stuck as an aguna because he has no dust to divorce her. Totally stuck. Amar Rabbi Yochanan ben Nur mipnei ma ha'isha shenischarsha yotza ve'aish shenischarish enu motzi. Why is it that a woman who became nischarish can be yotza? She can be divorced, but the man cannot make her divorce if he became nischarish. Amrulo eno dome ha'isha megarish leisha mishkareshes. There's no difference, but there, there's a big difference between the man who has to cause the divorce and a woman who's the recipient of a get. Sha'isha yotza liritzona him we need his das we need his kavan we need his focus and he doesn't have any anymore if he started as a pikech and ended up nischaresh so that's a big problem he no longer is able to that wasn't how he got married and it's not how she's going to get divorced so she's stuck that a chareshes that was married to someone by her father that she's able to get a get this is also true in the case that we just learned previously. Says the Gemara next case, we're 10 lines into the new Mishnah on Kufyud Beis Amid Beis. Beis Achen Charashen. We have two brothers who are Charashen, two brothers who are deaf mutes. Nesu and the Beis Achayos Charashos. And they're married to their equal counterparts, sisters, who are also Charashos. Oh, or another similar case. Or the two sisters were both regular sisters. Or the sisters were either one, a deaf mute, and one, a regular woman. Oh, another iteration, another permutation. In all of these cases, because the women are sisters. And we have a din of achos isha. So whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever, it doesn't matter. They're, they're sisters. And the fact that they're sisters forces them to always be, uh, to be And because if they were sisters, that they were always going to have achos isha. What if they were not sisters? So in all of the previous cases, if they were in fact not related to sisters, then technically you could marry either of them. And And you can also cause for a divorce. Next, halfway down on the page. You have two brothers. One is a deaf mute and one is a regular person. And Nisuin, they're married to They're married to two regular women. And now let's talk about a Yibum scenario. If the Cheresh, the deaf mute who is married to the regular woman, dies, what happens to the Balapikachas? What happens? To the Pikach, who really should be marrying this Balapikachas, Mishumachosisha. She should be uh, let go because of the because her sister is there. What about meis pikeach bal pikachas? What about a case scenario where the pikeach 
dies and he was the husband of the Baal Pikachas, Mayasa Cheresh Baal Pikachas. What about the Cheresh? Can the Cheresh marry the Baal Pikachas? Says the Gemara, in such a case, Moti His own wife, he can divorce, but his, uh, his brother's wife is never available because of Achos Isha yet again. Next case. Two brothers who are regular brothers. One of them is married to a deaf mute and one of them is married to a regular woman. If the man who was normal, who was married to the Chareshes, died, what happens? What does he do? This Pikach, does he do to the Baal Chareshes? These cases are, are actually quite repetitive because when they're sisters, Achosisha is in the bag. Of course, that's going to be a problem. Says the Gemara, Meis pikech baal pikachas. But if the pikech died, um, then Maya se pikech baal achareshes. Then what will happen with the relationship between the pikech and the baal pikachas? So motzes ishto beget ves eshes achi bechalitza. Next case, shnei achin echad cheresh veechad pikech. If you have uh, two brothers, one's a cheresh and one's a pikech, and nisu and the achayos achas cheresh veachas pikachas. One of them is a deaf mute, and one of them is a regular woman. Meis cheresh bal chareshes. If the cheresh dies, leaving over the bal chareshes, mayas se pikech bal pikachas. The husband of the bal pikachas now has a bal chareshes coming in as a zika. Teitzim shumachosisha. What about meis pikech bal pikachas? Let's say the regular husband died, and his wife was a regular wife. The regular wife falls to the cheresh. Mayas se cheresh bal chareshes. The man who's a cheresh, his brother who's married to a cheresh, what will he do with the bal pikachas? You know, has a zika to him, says the Gemara, more than two-thirds of the way down. Again, repetitive cases. Two brothers, one's a cheresh and one's a pikach. Then they're married to, uh, to two random women who are healthy, normal women. So what will the pikach do in regards to the bal pikachas? What about meis pikach bal pikachas? If the pikach died and the bal pikachas was left bezika, what will the cheresh do? Can he marry the bal pikachas? He can marry her, but he can never divorce her. Next case, two brothers who are normal, and they're married to two random women, one of them is normal and one of them is a deaf mute. If the pikach died, what will the other, the other brother do? He can marry her and or divorce, and or, and or divorce her. What if the regular husband died? And we're getting to the end of the Mishnah. Let's say that there are two brothers. One is a deaf mute and one is regular. And they're married to two random women, one of whom is a chareshes and one of whom is a pikachas. If, if the cheresh dies, what will happen with the yibum in that case? Says the Gemara, kones, then you can marry in that case. What about meis pikech bal pikachas, mayasa cheresh bal chareshes? What would happen in a case where the pikech died? What can the cheresh marry his wife, his Rachel, who's a bal pikachas? Says the Gemara, kones, yes, but vehena motzi la'olam. Says the Gemara, we're going to just wrap up to the top of the page and then we'll stop. Says the Gemara as follows. 
Let's say you have a marriage of two deaf mutes, male and female, and the rabbis created an infrastructure for which they could get married. And how do we know that when it comes to someone, a man and woman who are insane, we know that this is the case because of the following very interesting addition of a word here. A shota and a katan shanasu. Nashim, they married women who may soon to shosem turos mina chalitzu mina yibum. The chachamim don't have a construct for a shota to get married and seemingly for a katan to get married on his own. We don't seem to have a construct for that. Uh, we do for a girl, for a katana, which we'll discuss in a minute, but not for a katan. So says the Gemara, that's what the Brysa writes. And, uh, uh, and now we have to answer our question, which is why is it that the chachamim left room for a cherish and chareshes to get married, but not a shota and shota? Says the Gemara, last of the middle with lines, five lines from the bottom, Kufiud Beis Mid Beis, because Cheresh Vicharesh is Takaima Takanta Terabanan Takin Lurabanan Isuin, because they're able to have a, a healthy marriage. They're both as knowledgeable as they're ever going to be. They're not going to get brighter. They're not necessarily going to slow down. They're deaf mutes, but they're fine people. They're regular people. Uh, I, I leased a house from someone who was a deaf mute. Okay, that's just what it is. That's just what it was totally fine. We, it was hard to communicate because I don't speak sign language and they read lips. Okay, it worked out. They're regular people. They had a fine marriage, I presume. But a shote v'shote, the lokaima takanta derabbanon. Why is it that the rabbis didn't create an infrastructure for two people who were beyond the line? They were shotim. They were insane. Because they ain't adam darim nochash bekvifa achas. You're not supposed to live in the snake cave. You're not supposed to live in a room, uh, in a house with someone who's going to make everything wrong. You don't marry someone when you know it's going to end badly. You don't share a room with a snake, and you don't share a room with a shote. So the Gemara is saying there is no construct for that. Why is it that the katan was included in the brisa? The brisa, which is six lines from the bottom of the page, where it says that if a katan was married and died, that his wives are pturas By a katan, there are scenarios where a katan gets married, but it's not a, a classical infrastructure where we allow a katan to get married. So, but by a cheresh we do, because cheresh to lo asi lechlan nisuin, a cheresh will never reach the level of a nisuin to arise. So it's a kinu rabban nisuin, they're able to have a functional marriage. But katan to asi lechlan nisuin, because a katan is going to become a gadol at some point, lo takinu rabban nisuin, we're not going to come up with this complex structure of giving uh, the katan a chance to get married when he's nine. He'll wait three years until he gets married. We see that by a ktana, by a female, that we do have such a construct, that we do allow her to get married. If her father wants to marry her, he can't. That's still rising. But if her father dies, then the brother and mother can choose to marry off. That's the Rabbanon. The Chachamim did build a construct that's the Rabbanon to allow for a ktana to get married. Says the Gemara, there we needed to do that. So this is obviously a cultural reference that back in the day, it was considered... Um, uh, I guess, a scary reality that a young girl could be taken advantage of between the, the young ages of, you know, being a child up to the age of 12. And because of that, they wanted to have a construct by which she could marry a Yid who would take care of her. And albeit it's a rabbinic structure. And really, you're right. It should be like a katan that just like by a katan, we want to wait till he's a bar chiyuva, So we'll wait till he's a gadol. Same by a katana. We couldn't say that by a katana because we were concerned about minag hefker. Last question for the day. Why is it that when it, when it comes to a katana, a young girl, she can do miyun, but when it comes to a chareshes, she could never do miyun? Says the Gemara, if in fact a chareshes was able to do miyun, says the Gemara on the top of Kufi Gimel Aleph, if we would have allowed a chareshes to do miyun, 
Well, her status never changes. She's a chareshes her whole life. So if we would have said that a chareshes can do miyun, she could always do miyun throughout the entire duration of the marriage. Masha'in came when we allowed a katana to do miyun, that was only true up until the age of 12. But once she turned 12, she could no longer do miyun. So if a man was to marry a katana, he understood that the, the, the actual scope of time that a, a young girl, like that a katana could do miyun was from the time he married her until the time of her bas mitzvah, done. Then after that, if there's a divorce, then it's a divorce, but there's no more miyun. A chareshes is not like that. Because the chareshes never reaches a level of das, it is always the case that she can do miyun, and that would prevent people from marrying. But we'll stop right here on the top of Kufi Gimel Amad Aleph, wishing you all a beautiful night. Well, thank you.